Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about zinc. It is a very, very important micronutrient, but you may be under-fertilizing with it on your farm. We'll talk about that throughout our show today. If you've got any questions for us about zinc or anything that's going on in your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to call in. Again, that's 844-442-4743 or send us an email radio at agphd.com. All right, so when we talk about zinc, I don't care what crop you're raising, you need zinc. Zinc is a key for moisture absorption. And like in our region of the country this year, well, that was pretty important. We often say that if you fertilize right, your crop is going to use a lot less water on a per bushel basis because your crop doesn't become a water waster early in the season. What I mean by that is this. If your crop starts to run short on certain nutrients, it'll start pulling more water in in the hopes that it can get those nutrients in. Well, if you have the right balance and the right amount of nutrients in the first place, then you don't have to be pulling in water when you don't need it and therefore you're saving that water for later in the year. Zinc is also really important for flower formation, for frost protection, assisting plant growth regulators. It's important for germination and plant vigor. Uh, One thing too on the animal side, did you know that animals deficient in zinc require twice as much feed to reach the same weight? And just something too that we will occasionally say, if you've got an issue in your livestock, and so you're feeding, if you're feeding crops or grains off your farm and you have an issue with certain nutrients in your livestock, guess where those nutrient deficiencies really came from? They started in your soil. So what I'm saying here is certainly you can go supplement things for your livestock, but it may be cheaper and it certainly would be better for your crop in a lot of cases if you supplement the field in the first place, get more zinc in the field, then you'll have more zinc in your grain or silage or whatever it is you're feeding to the livestock, and then ultimately the livestock has more zinc. All right, in terms of zinc, one of the big things that I want to stress to you, unlike nitrate, sulfate, boron, zinc is not leachable, so or at least not very leachable at all. It's very similar to phosphorus. So when you think phosphorus and how little that moves in soil, where in heavy ground, like in our region of the country, it's very likely that it might take 20 years to move an inch down in the ground with your phosphorus. The same can be said for zinc. So zinc and phosphorus just don't move well in soil. Now, our recommendation, though, also kind of ties together with phosphorus and zinc because usually what we want to look at is 10 to 1 kind of ratio. Now, maybe you want it a little lower, maybe you want it 8 to 1 or something like that, but somewhere in that general range of phosphorus to zinc. So in other words, 10 parts phosphorus to 1 part zinc, then a lot of times you're able to maximize yield. We've heard a lot about that over the years, but we actually now have the data to back that up where we've done so many grid samples comparing it to yield and then looking at the charts. And the point is you got to get that ratio relatively close. What I'm saying is when we've had that ratio way out of whack, so let's say it's three to one, and we've done that where we've way overdone it on zinc. So we get the, and underdone it on phosphorus. So we get that phosphorus to zinc ratio, like three to one, our yields absolutely go down. And the same can be said when you get it out on the other end, let's say you get a ratio of 50 to one or 40 to one or something like that, way too much zinc or too much phosphorus in relation to your zinc also hurts yield. 
So it's it's real common for people to say, all right, if you just hit a certain level in terms of parts per million, now you're good and it's not worthwhile to put more fertilizer out. But you also have to look at some of these ratios. Phosphorus to zinc is really, really important. So I would encourage you start not just looking at what level of zinc you have in the soil, but look at your phosphorus level too and just divide the one by the other or look at just a simple ratio. 10 to 1 a lot of times is kind of a standard thing. Now it's going to vary a little bit depending on what type of phosphorus test you run and what type of zinc test you run and all that. So I'm not saying this is necessarily true for every single case, but as a general statement, somewhere in the ballpark of 10 to 1 is probably where you want to be at. Okay, so anyway, back to how much zinc you're actually removing from the soil. Let me just give you the example of, I just pulled up 250 bushel corn. Okay, so 250 bushel corn. Grain removal for zinc is 0.27 pounds. Stover removal, or I shouldn't say stover removal, I should say what it takes to produce the stover and what it takes to produce the grain. So what it takes to produce the grain is 0.27. What it takes to produce the stover is 0.38. So in total, you've got 0.65 pounds per acre. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, and this is the good news I've got for you with zinc. You often do not have to spend much money when it comes to zinc. Like in our farm, for example, we use a lot of zinc sulfate, where we're pounds low or if you want to call it parts per million, many parts per million low on a soil test. So we'll run out there with zinc sulfate, and we will broadcast spread it. Now, certainly you could ban zinc if you want to. I don't have any issue with that, but we'll broadcast spread it, and we'll till it in. And so all our ground is in good shape for zinc. doesn't cost a lot of money to do that. And then you also get a little bit of sulfur out there at the same time. But anyway, here's where I wanted to go with this. When you start getting big time yields, you're pulling a lot of zinc out of the out of the soil in a two-year stretch. Let's just say we had 70 bushel beans, and I'm just kind of taking what ever or good yields would be in our area. All right, so on 70 bushel soybeans for zinc, let's see, I'm at 0.07 pounds to produce the grain, and 0.36 pounds to produce a stover. So in total, that is 0.43 pounds. So anyway, here's where I'm going with this. In a two-year scale, in a two-year cycle, if you left all the residue out in the field and all you took away was the grain, that's 0.34 pounds. Now, if you're putting a quart of zinc out there, which a lot of people will do, how much zinc are you getting back? you might be putting a quarter pound out, 0.2 to 0.25 pounds, depending on the kind of zinc you're using. So that's not enough, and you're falling behind. Plus, on top of that, if you haven't looked at your phosphorus to zinc ratio in your soil, that may also be hurting you as well. So these are things I want you to take a look at on your soil test. Number one, make sure you're testing for zinc, and two, make sure you're looking at your ratio. All right, we'll talk zinc and get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. 
but at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about zinc and taking your calls and questions. We're going to go to the phone lines right now. We've got Nick calling in from South Dakota. Nick, how you doing today? Good. How's it going, Brian? Excellent. So how's harvest coming along? Uh, pretty good. We're just getting close to being done with beans. Uh, probably a little less than uh, 800 acres left, and we're... Out uh, a field right now. I'm combining as I'm talking to you. So, yields okay. Yeah, actually, better than expected. We got uh, some some of those late rains, you know, up here in northeast South yep. Dakota. Yep. Um, and, and it just seemed like we got good pot fill from it. You know, that as long as the beans were still, uh, you know, a little bit alive. You know, if they're a later maturity bean. Yeah. Uh, short, shorter maturity beans didn't do as well. So. Yep, pretty much the same thing down here. So I hear you got a couple questions for us. Go ahead. Yeah, um, so we actually just got done combining a field that we tiled last year, and it was really rough. And, um, you know, we it had, had beans on it. So normally I just want to strip till it yep. and uh, get it ready for corn next year. But what do you – do you guys have a preferred method of, of dealing <laughs> with those tile lines? I mean, how, how do you usually handle it? Well, let me just say this, Nick. We try about everything under the sun in the hopes that we miraculously find something that is leaps and bounds better. And I can't say that I've done that with the tile thing. What a lot of times we'll do is just try to get by in that first fall and going into the next spring, we will often do... I'm going to call it more full-scale tillage rather than just strip tilling. So, no, we would go out there, okay. I, you know, and I don't know what implements you have on the farm or anything, but let's just put it this way. you got to figure out a way to get that thing leveled back down, and then you should be in good shape. I don't like leveling it out too soon. Now, if it's been a year, you should be in pretty good shape. If you level it too soon, what usually happens is you get a little bit of a sinkhole there within a few months. So I'm glad that you waited a year to do this, but at this point now – 
yeah, if it's me, I'm going out, I'm leveling that out, I'm, I'm doing my full scale, as I would call it, tillage, just in those areas, and then I would strip till the rest of it if that's what you want to do. Okay, so maybe something like a chisel plow, maybe in those areas. Yep, you sure can. A lot of times... Yeah, a lot of times we'll we'll use a disc or some type of field finisher, or, you know, something like that, whatever. Okay. It all depends on what crop we've just raised out there. So, yes, you could certainly go out with a chisel plow, but then, you know, obviously you're going to need something more to get that leveled back down, however you're going to do it. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right. You bet. Thanks. Good luck with harvest. Stay safe. All right, let's go next to Jerry Willem. He is with AgriLiquid talking zinc a little bit today. Jerry, what kind of words of wisdom for do you have for us with zinc? Well, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> that's a good place to start. All right, let's take it a little further than well, that. So, <laughs> Okay, yeah, I thought so. But, uh, I mean, we talk about micros a lot on, on this show and elsewhere. And yep. Everything, and it, it's still... It's still something that I kind of have a difficult time following why somebody just doesn't pay attention to that because with the yields we're pulling off now, you need everything uh, to give you that extra bushel. We know the role of zinc. Like you said, on water, it does a lot of things. It activates different enzymes to build proteins and starches and sugars and things like that. Yep. And if you don't put it in there, you're not going to get that happening to the full extent. And So why take a chance? Okay, so when we start talking about zinc in furrow, I assume that's probably the place that you like it most, or would you rather have it two by two? Well, I like in furrow uh, myself, so they can can start taking it up right away. Yep. I mean, what you said with the zinc sulfate is great for you know spreading it out, trying to build up that soil. But you know, as a as AgriLiquid, we, we promote either with the seed or close to the seed. And micros is one of those things that we've had better results going right in the seed. So as soon as that, uh, as soon as the seed germinates, it can start taking it up right away. Yeah, and I probably and, uh, didn't clarify that very well either. What what I had meant to say was if we're pounds short and it's ridiculous and I got issues, like in a lot of our ground, we have some highly erodible land. And since zinc mm-hmm. stays in the soil and doesn't move very well downward, then what happens is if you lose the soil, you also lose the zinc. So we got areas that were practically down to nothing. And what I'm talking about is fixing those areas where I might put on 20 pounds of zinc sulfate or something. We're still feeding the plant a lot of time with something in furrow with a low rate of zinc. So yeah, we're totally in favor of using something like agri-liquid zinc. Um, that, I think that's great. It's just, I, I was curious if you thought in furrow was better or two by two. Well, it's whatever you're set up for, but we've actually done tests and the in furrow does give, uh, give a better result. I think it's just getting it, getting it in early along with everything else. And then, you know, there's been like you were talking about, you know, the phosphorus and zinc, you know, working together at the right ratio, and we try to do that too so that, uh, you know, as it's starting to use that phosphorus early, it can use the micros early as well. On a completely different scale, how do you feel about using any amount of zinc foliar? Have you been doing that? Well, I know you've been doing some of that with some of your different products that you have and the and the premixes and stuff, but what would be the best timing for, say, corn and soybeans, and have you seen a lot of success with the foliar stuff in addition to, you already said, the infurrow works pretty well? Well, kind of a 
summary of that is if we have adequate zinc on in the in the planter, uh, corn or soybeans, if we have adequate, we often don't see a response with the zinc. I mean, micro yep. 500, and I want to talk about that more in a second because I always do, but uh, the, we do get a response to that, but often it's less if we have a good uh, soil applied program. But if, if, if we've left that out and we've done this with zinc and manganese and some other things, it, putting it on foliar is certainly going to help. But uh, I don't like to, it, it, I, and I say this when I'm on too, uh, it's easier to prevent a deficiency than to correct one. And so if we yep. can prevent that, that need early, then I'm for the uh, putting it on a planting. Yeah, we found the same to be true, and a lot of high-yield people that I talked to have said the same thing. Just don't run yourself short on micros early, and early is early applications way better than later. All right, coming back to this micro 500 thing. So that's a blend that you where you have some zinc in that. Uh, so talk to us about that versus, let's say, using a straight zinc. Yeah, that is another thing that... Uh, that, that we've found through research is that a lot of times uh, micro 500 is a blend of zinc, manganese, iron, copper, and boron with the concentrations in that order uh, with zinc being the most. And we've done a lot of tests where we put on straight zinc versus a blend of the micro five, the blended product micro 500, even though volume for volume, there's higher amounts of zinc in that straight zinc product than there is in the micro 500 way more times than not we see a better yield with the micro 500 and i kind of figure, here's my explanation for that a lot of times you're not just short on zinc and maybe you don't think you're short yep. on copper or something in a part of the field well you are and i think supplying those other nutrients but we really rely on this process called synergism where the presence of the other nutrients help with the uptake of, of each one and uh, zinc being one of the most important it's going to benefit by having the other ones there to help uh, push it into the plant. And so micro 500, in fact, our agronomist, sales agronomist Stephanie's gone back over our data on the research farm as well as our off-farm uh, farm trials and contract research around the country. And surprisingly, we have about a 95% win rate. That's an economic win rate. So uh, it, it, it pays to put that in there, particularly if you're using liquid inferral. Don't, don't forget the micros. And I'll say don't forget the micro 500. Uh, I've only got 30 seconds left, Jerry, but can you talk to us about the importance in soybeans versus corn, or do you, usually, do you usually just say, hey, do it in corn, and you should be in good shape for the next year in soybeans? No, if you're, putting in, if you're going to the trouble to put something on inferral, in, uh, if you're set up for it, I mean, we'll, we'll run some micro 500 in uh, inferral on the soybeans. The thing about the soybeans is you can't put as much on it, so maybe right. you're relying on some broadcast applications, but we're still seeing a response. To that low rate, I mean, we're talking two, three gallons in furrow on soybeans just for crop safety. Yeah. And that should include the micros as well, particularly a micronutrient like manganese, which is seems to be more important in soybeans than corn. <laughs> yep, we agree with you. Again, we've been talking to Jerry Willem with AgriLiquid. Jerry, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. 
with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Live in the Morton studio, I'm Brian Hefty. We're talking zinc on our show today. If you've got any questions about that or if there's anything else you would like to talk about happening on your farm right now, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. If you want to call in or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, next on the show, we've got Andrew Green with us. He's out in North Carolina, and he is with the International Zinc Association. He's the executive director. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Pleasure Excellent. to be with you. You bet. All right, tell us first, what is the International Zinc Association? We are a nonprofit uh, trade association working for the global zinc industry, and we do this by uh, developing sustainable markets, uh, working on sustainability and ensuring the industry's license to operate through different activities and programs. All right. And with zinc, 
I assume the reason why the International Zinc Association is even there is because there is obviously a big need around the world. So just talk to us a little bit about how many issues we are really truly seeing with zinc and why this is such an important micronutrient. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll, I'll stick uh, my, the focus of my answer uh, to the agronomic and, and health aspects only, uh, although there's a lot of other issues and in infrastructure and energy storage and so forth I could touch on for zinc. But on the, on the agronomic side and health side first, you know, I'd note that zinc deficiency affects about one-third of the world's populations. Uh, and, um, you know, there's been work done in the past by Dr. Black and others estimating that about 450,000 children under the age of five die from zinc deficiency. Uh, and, really? it's a, you know, it's a very shocking number. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of people aren't aware of this. But when you look at that issue and then you try to figure out the source, as your listeners know well, you are what you eat. And so uh, zinc deficiency is a problem uh, from our... our um, the food that we're eating, um, and uh, there's not enough zinc uh, typically that's in the soils for the plants to take up to provide sufficient zinc uh, for people to meet their dietary needs. And so that's, that's uh, part of the whole issue is ensuring that the micronutrient uh, deficiency for zinc is, is addressed properly to improve health, to improve uh, food and nutrition security. So as a human being, if I was short on zinc, what would happen to me and to my body? Yeah, great question. Uh, and zinc's been in the news a lot in the last um, year and a half or so related to all the uh, issues with the pandemic and so forth. Uh, zinc is uh, essential for all living things, plants, humans, and animals. And in humans, uh, you know, it's involved in... Um, things like uh, the immune system, which is why it can play a key role in fighting off colds and things like that. Uh, it's involved in reproduction. It's involved in um, growth, um, uh, development, and, and all those different aspects in, in the body. It, it can affect your heart if you're deficient uh, and so forth. So it really uh, plays a key role in about 10% of the, the human body's proteins. And so you can imagine if your body is deficient in, in uh, zinc, it can have a, uh, an impact in, in lots of different areas of the, the functions. All right. So turning then to plants, when people ask you, all right, why should I have a good zinc level in my crop? What are the top two or three things you'll often bring up? Well, if I was talking to a farmer, I would yep. point out first and foremost that um, – you know, it, it's going to affect their bottom line. If your soil's deficient in zinc, uh, you're probably losing anywhere from 10 to 50 percent of crop yield. Uh, and there's been lots of studies done around the world, and we've been involved with a number of those, showing uh, cost-benefit ratios to farmers anywhere from five up to 60 in some cases. So for every dollar that a farmer would invest in uh, making sure that they've got proper zinc fertilizer, uh, added, uh, they get a return of, you know, five to 60 times that. What and then the other, the oh, other answer to that part two is, um, in addition to increasing the, the crop growth, you know, the food production, you, you also improve the nutrition uh, aspect of the crop. So not just growing more wheat or corn or uh, what have you, but you're also uh, growing uh, wheat and corn and so forth that have more zinc in it. 
And so that helps address the deficiency issue we're talking about in humans. A lot of people struggle with, well, what level should I really have in my soil of zinc or in my plant? So how can you answer that? Uh, This is where we get a little bit um, detailed on the science and the technical aspects, but there's uh, testing that can be done on soils uh, called DTPA, and uh, it's a very common test that uh, most of the uh, ag ag groups out there and universities will be using. But, you know, typically if you're below 1.5 to to 1 uh, of zinc uh, parts per million in the soil for DTPA, then uh, that that would tell you that your zinc is deficient or your, your soil is deficient in zinc. Uh, how about Malik 3 test? That's the other really common method for soil testing. Do you have a certain level there or is it about the same? I'm sorry, say it again. Malik 3, the Malik 3 test? Yes. Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head what the, the zinc uh, level is for that, but there is, I can I'd be happy to get that uh, to your uh, listeners yeah. later. Well, I would just say we see it fairly similar between the DTPA and the Malik 3. But one of the big things, and we were talking about this earlier in the show, is the ratio of phosphorus to zinc. And, I mean, i got to be honest, in our region of the country, if I had 1.5 parts per million of zinc, I'd be awfully, awfully, awfully sad and losing all kinds of money because that's that's not going to cut it for yields in our area. I want 5 to 10 parts per million in part because we have so much phosphorus out there in order to get the yields right. we're able to achieve. So we often yeah. talk about this ratio of around 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc. Is I mean, is that something that you will will talk about as well? And are there any other nutrients besides phosphorus I should be looking at in terms of a ratio to zinc? Yeah, so, yeah, that's a, another excellent point. When we were talking about deficiency uh, there are certain levels that are put out there. Like I said, the one would below one would be extreme uh, deficiency. <laughs> one point yeah. five would be deficient. Uh, but we would like to see up there around ten to twenty even would yeah. be uh, more of an ideal situation. And and with phosphorus, you're right. It's uh, you know the problem with uh, phosphorus is, is it would uh, impact the uptake of zinc by the uh, the crops. Um, phosphorus is really the main. Um, issue in, in that regard. So there aren't that many other ratios to look at in terms of uh, making sure that you've got the sufficient zinc. It's I, I mainly focus on the phosphorus and then just the amount of zinc uh, present with the DTPA or the malic test. Anything else you wanted to share with us today, Andrew, about zinc or anything you want our listeners who are mainly farmers to be thinking about going into this next year? Sure. You know, we, we are an international group. We focus on these programs globally, but uh, I know with your uh, with your group here, uh, mainly based in North America and the United States, I would note that, you know, the latest soil test that came out from the um, International Plant Nutrition Institute uh, showed about 42% of the soils, agronomic soils in the United States and Canada, especially the United States, are deficient in zinc. Yep. Uh, and that's based on, um, what, 42 million hectares of land that were uh, tested uh, so it, it is a critical issue, and I would uh, just encourage your your listeners, the farmers out there, to check their soils. Uh, you know, it's always important to do the the uh, the right source at the right rate and the right time and right place. And zinc has got to be a consideration in addition to the NPK to maximize the food production, but also the nutrition security issues. 
All right, fantastic stuff. We've been talking to Andrew Green. He is with the International Zinc Association. Andrew, thanks a lot for the time today. We really, really appreciate it and hope to have you on the show again sometime. Great. Thanks very much, Brian. I appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, Andrew brought up a few great points. And, you know, very often as farmers, we're thinking about just trying to either survive or at least do well on our farms in the short term. And so it comes down to yield. Well, the thing with zinc is it's not just about yield. It is about livestock health and human health. And of course, it's about yield as well. But the good thing here is zinc, for the most part, is fairly inexpensive. It does not take a lot of money to get your zinc levels up. So we'd really encourage you to take a look at that on your farm and your soil test this fall. Well, stay tuned. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. 
baby, come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. All right, our first question today comes from Jed in Michigan. He says, I would like to have you guys do a deep dive into tar spot. That's really the only topic on everybody's mind in my region of Michigan. How do we fix this for next year? What are the best products that are available? What can we use early with a ground rig as opposed to spraying aerial? Uh, what tillage will help this? I mean, we're seeing 75 bushel swings from tar spot, uh, from stuff with fungicide and stuff that had the, uh, and he says head with sulfur. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Anyway, he says, uh, great show. Hope you guys can go over this. Yes, Jed, let's talk a little about tar spot. First of all, this has not been around very long. It was first confirmed in 2015. It's only six years ago. But all of a sudden now in that region of the country, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, we're getting calls all the time. And I was just saying this on the show the other day. Last year, I don't know, we had a handful of calls. Well, we've had a handful of calls like in the last three days about this very issue. Everybody, it seems like, is curious about, okay, what do I do with tar spot? Let me first say, in terms of identification with this disease, it's called tar spot because it looks like tar, uh, black spots that are on the leaves, and they a lot of times will be even through the leaf. So they're, they're, they're basically on the leaf and you can't like just oh quickly scratch them off or anything like that. We have more issues it seems like at this point when the weather is cool and it's humid. So that's I believe why we have such an issue in that particular area of the country. It's wetter than ours, more humidity than ours, and in terms of cool, well it's the northern part of the United States and into southern Canada as opposed to down in, let's say, Georgia or Arkansas or something like that, at least at this point. Unfortunately, right now, there are no varieties that I know of anyway that are resistant to this disease. They have found some varieties that are more tolerant than others. But as tar spot continues to thrive, then all the researchers in terms of seed production they're going to see because it's going to be in all their plots. So they're going to figure out real fast, all right, which ones are more tolerant and which ones are less tolerant. I would say if you want to do something this fall, Jed, I would do some deep tillage and I would try to make that ground as black as possible. Bury that residue if you want to go corn on corn. Now, obviously you can go to soybeans or some other crop and then that basically eliminates your problem at least for a year. But yes, tillage can help to some degree, is what people have been telling us. Otherwise, we're usually just going to say, at least in the fall here, do everything you possibly can to raise a great crop. Because when you do that, now your crop is just flat out more tolerant to all diseases. So that includes doing things like improving your drainage, making sure you have good fertility, like with zinc we were talking about today. But look at every micronutrient. I mean, the two that I think of most often for disease tolerance, copper and zinc. Well, make sure you got good levels of those. And then you're going to be much ahead when you get into next year. And when you get into next year, do everything possible to control weeds, insects, and other diseases. So you've got a much healthier crop, and then hopefully it's able to tolerate the tar spot better. Now, if you really want to do something on this tar spot, you got to do two shots of fungicide. And I know it costs money. 
but that's just what is going to have to happen. I, I would like to see you go out there at that V8, V10. And, and I'll tell you too, there is some published work out there right now saying, oh, V8 isn't the best timing for this. I'm going to disagree with that 100%. I believe that it is a good timing for it. And we've had people even calling in the show this fall saying that's a good timing for it. Maybe V8's a little on the early side, but V10 certainly. So here's my point, And the reason why I even bring up V8, I know you can get across that with most rigs. So V10, V11, somewhere in that kind of range. I mean, ideally, yeah, I'd like to be a little bit later in V8, but not much. I definitely want to be out there before tassel. Get something, get, use a full rate of a good fungicide, and then you should be in good shape. Hopefully carry you through tassel, then spray again at R1. One or two, that time if you don't have something that's able to get over the top of your corn, then that's where you are going to have to call in the plane. And I know it stinks to have to call in the plane when you have your own spray rig and you're like, well, I could do this myself, but I just can't if it gets late. Well, look, especially like what Jed was talking about here, 75 bushel swing, um, that's pretty massive swing. Take that times $5 corn and you can afford an awful lot of things. You can afford a whole bunch of plane trips out there if you had to. So anyway, I would just say Yes, this is a really tough disease. A lot of people are talking about it. I'm sorry that you have to deal with that, but it just that's just the way it goes. Everybody is dealing with it, it seems like, in that region of the country, and it seems this tar spot thing seems to be continuing to spread. Hopefully that helps you, Jed. All right, next one here is from Neil, who says, Hi, I've been listening to your show for a little over a year now, and I've been enjoying every bit of it. In all the talks about soil sampling and grids being the best, I haven't heard you mention the best app or system for documentation. What do you suggest? So, Neil, I will just say we have our own app. Oh, and by the way, Neil is from Ontario, and uh, so this brings me to my problem here. We have our own app, the Ag PhD Soils app. We just haven't had that going in Canada. So we are working on that, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to do that. But otherwise, yes, it is a little bit challenging. I will also say, if you wanted to, it, it's some work, but you can do some of these things manually, which I'm sure is what you're doing right now. But yeah, it gets challenging when, like on our farm, we have 3,200 crop acres. Now, not everybody's going to do stuff every year, and I don't suggest that you do, but we are doing one-acre grid soil testing every year on 3,200 acres. So that's a bunch. Um, it's a lot of data. And we really want to correlate that data also to our yields because then that really helps us decide what do we need to spend our money on. So, no, I don't have any fantastic answer for you today in Canada, but uh, but hopefully in the future we'll have something better for you. All right, next one, and I don't have a name on this, I apologize, talking about uh, our shows on YouTube and just asking why did we stop posting our shows on YouTube. We have some of our things some of our content that is on YouTube, but just to make it a little more streamlined and so you don't have to see uh, certain ads on there, we just thought, let's just have it on our website, which we do. You can just go to agphd.com and see any of our videos, so there's no problem. There's no charge or anything like that, so you can see our stuff for free. Just go to agphd.com. All right, next one is from Patricia, just talking about magnesium and, and liming and acidity. So a couple of quick comments here. Um, acidity in soil. So uh, Patricia puts on ash to solve that uh, that that issue. Look, I, I you know I've never really worked much with ash, so I can't really comment on that a whole lot. 
Um, and uh, she was also just saying putting on lime to deacidify. Uh, oh, let's see. Does this say alkaline? Yeah. So sorry, I, I'm I, I'm struggling to to uh, follow this statement here. Maybe it was ash to solve the alkalinity problem and lime to solve the uh, acidity problem. But anyway, Patricia, thanks for the comments. Uh, yeah, I'm, like I say, I'm not too familiar with ash or anybody using ash for anything. But uh, we often talk about low pH and solving that. Liming, high pH, you got to look at what's causing the high pH, whether it's high magnesium, high sodium, high calcium, high salts. What's causing the problem and then try to solve the cause of the problem. All right, uh, next one is from Doug in Illinois, and I'd apparently answered his question incorrectly. He was asking, or last week on the show he asked, uh, why not just plant a shorter bean and then apply PGRs? And I thought uh, he was talking about an earlier maturity bean, and he meant a shorter statured bean. So sorry about that. But anyway, could you plant a shorter statured bean? Absolutely. We love shorter statured beans. That's awesome. And you find that with corn, with soybeans, with a lot of crops, they are trying to come with shorter varieties because why have all that plant growth out there when all we really care about in most cases is the grain yield? So sure, it's different if let's say you're raising corn silage and you want to have as much tonnage as possible. But for a lot of us, we don't care about that. We just care about the grain. So can you have a shorter statured variety and use PGRs and have that help you? Sure you can. But there are a lot of other things you can do too, like even our topic today, zinc. So you're going to find that a healthier plant overall is going to produce more, whether it's short or tall, either way. All right, we will continue answering your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? 
prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. If you would like to send us a question, it's radio at agphd.com. All right, our next one comes from a frequent uh, caller or at least uh, writer to our show. <laughs> Sends in questions. It's George from Bulgaria. Anyway, he says this summer he harvested winter wheat that he planted. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, sorry. He he harvested winter wheat after he had planted sunflower as a second cash crop. And now this autumn, he's going to harvest these sunflowers. So he's worried about uh, he's worried about volunteer sunflower in conventional corn for next year or next spring. Anyway, he says, of course, I can use mesotrione as a pre, but I prefer to keep the HPPD for post. Also, he has some common weeds and he sent us the scientific name well i gotta be honest i don't know the scientific name for hardly anything so i had to look up each one of these and see what our name is that we call it around here and he has things like green foxtail black nightshade field bindweed rough cockleburr and then a couple i've never heard of before like mountain spinach and cockspur grass okay i have no idea what those are but i i do know how to kill a lot of grasses and a lot of broad leaves so we can help you all right, so anyway, he fe- he finishes up by saying, I was wondering whether I can use Valor now in the fall or if there are more suitable options. Okay, so first of all, can you use Valor in the fall? Well, sure you can. Is that going to kill your volunteer sunflower? No, it's not going to kill it very well. Volunteer sunflower is actually fairly easy to control, just like cockleburr. They're, they're two pretty similar weeds. And you can use mesotrione post-emerge. So a lot of times in conventional corn for us, we'll use mesotrione. That'd be like Callisto and maybe a half pound or a quarter pound of atrazine. So you don't want to use much atrazine when you have wheat and sunflowers in your rotation, but you could use just a tiny little bit, quarter pound or something like that, and you'd probably be fine. Uh, In terms of killing those other weeds, you know, if you started with a group 15, so that would be something like in our country, Harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, Zidua are the names of the products. Um, Then that's going to take out your grasses pretty well and it's also going to help suppress black nightshade and some of your other 
small seeded broadleaves. The only big problem that I see here is going to be field bindweed. That's a perennial. So if you want to get control of that, then you usually have to spray Roundup in the fall or in the spring. Well, there's no crop out there, and hopefully that will do it for you. Otherwise, you can get some suppression of your mesotrione plus a little bit of atrazine, but otherwise what we do to get more suppression in crop in corn is use dicamba. All right, and then the next one here, he says, I'm growing corn with strip-till with an average CEC of 25, so that's relatively heavy ground. He says, from November to February, we have around 10 inches of snow plus rain, and the soil temp doesn't go real low. We usually don't freeze more than about 4 inches deep. Anyway, he says, I'd like to apply both boron and manganese sulfate, as the availability of both in the soil is very, very low for us. So when would you suggest I apply them? Now as a fall application or as a spring application together with the pre-herbicide? Uh, thanks very much for all that you guys are doing. All right, so George, my suggestion is I would probably get it out there sooner rather than later. I just like having the work done because then I know it's done and then I can plant as early as possible in the spring. So even if we're only talking about ground freezing for four inches, that's still freezing to me and there's not a lot of stuff happening in that soil. So I'm not super worried about you losing your boron, plus your soil is pretty heavy. Now, if it was a light soil, then I would say absolutely wait until spring. But personally, I think you should be able to get by doing it in the fall if you would like to do it. All right, next question comes from Richard talking about subsurface irrigation. And he's just asking, can I use subsurface irrigation in fruit orchards? I could see it being an issue replacing damaged lines once your trees have large root systems. Richard, what a lot of people will do in orchards is they will have the um, the irrigation with drip tape done above ground. So doing it below ground with drip tape or let's say tile lines, I'm with you. I just think that's going to get damaged by those trees and it wouldn't be very long and the, the subsurface irrigation is going to be fairly ineffective. But if you wanted to roll out drip tape every season and then roll it back up at the end, that would probably be my best suggestion and I have seen a lot of people doing that over the years. All right, next question comes from Marty and he says, what's the best way to prevent rodent damage to equipment while it is stored for the winter. Uh, Marty, we've had all kinds of damage in the winter from different pests out there. Uh, cats, has been <laughs> that's been a real thorn in my side personally with all the stuff that they end up doing. So I love the farm cats getting rid of the rodents. So it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of an issue there, depending on what your cats like to do and how much stuff they like to get into. But a lot of times we just have cats around the farm and that takes care of our rodent problems. But like I say, sometimes that can cause some other issues too. Uh, anyway, other than that, about all we've done is we just have used mouse or rat bait. But if you have enough cats around, a lot of times that solves the rodent problem. I don't know that there is any fantastic solution that I've ever heard. So for any of our listeners, if you've got a great way to control rodents out there, let us know. All right, uh, next one here. I don't have a name on this one, but but it just came uh came in saying you need to have a mulch layer to combat soil erosion and improve water retention. So we talk an awful lot on the show about leaving residue out on fields and I agree with that. When you leave residue you're going to have less soil erosion and hopefully a little bit better water retention but 
I can also see the other side of this thing where let's say you're farming in a really cold area and you want to plant early in the spring and in order to raise the best crop, you want to have at least in strips and maybe the whole field, you want to have a lot less residue out there. So there's there's always this debate that's going on. Okay, what can I do? How can I make my crop good? Yet I want to make my soil good as well. So that's one of the things that we as farmers are often challenged with. There There is no perfect solution for anything. All right, I uh, got a comment here yesterday. I think it was we were talking about sump pumps, and we had this question about, hey, can't you just have something like a lift station for your house so we don't have issues with sump pumps and we started talking about that anyway we got response from whoever asked the question in the first place and again i apologize i don't have a name here on that but uh, they just say our issue seems to be we get four or five inches in uh, of rain in just a uh, few days and flooding is caused from backup from the sump hole pump uh, or sump pump hole, I should say. And we don't know if we really want to put another hole in and another sump pump in there. But like I was saying, I think it was yesterday, I would just say, you know what? Sometimes you just have to have that second pump and that second hole to make sure that everything is taken care of in your basement. Otherwise, I'll just say this, I hate basements. So anything that we're doing, I I, I really try not to have basements as much as possible because it just seems like we have fought that and fought that so much over the years. Now, even in some areas where we're on a hill, even then sometimes we have a few water issues. So personally, I just assume no, I have no basement for my house. So if I'm building something in the future, if I'm building my dream house, I can promise you this, it's not going to have a basement. And then a lot of people ask, okay, well, what do you do with a tornado or whatever? All right. Well, I may have to have some type of structure inside my house that is a storm structure. And I mean, you can look those up. Uh, there's a way to put piers down in the ground and have that uh, set up with cement and rebar and everything else. So you can still make it safe. There are ways around it. So I realize we've gotten tremendously off topic here. Uh, but but anyway, you don't know how much I hate basements. And so uh, anytime I get to comment on how much I hate basements, I'm usually going to take advantage of that. All right. Our topic today was zinc. And I just want to reiterate this to you again. Zinc is incredibly important in terms of yield on your farm. And it's not just corn. I realize that the grain removal only for zinc in soybeans is not nearly as high as it is for corn. But there's still a yield impact in soybeans. There's still a yield impact in wheat and every crop out there if you don't have a sufficient amount in your soil and or in your plant. So we'd really encourage you to, number one, soil test. Make sure you're soil testing for zinc. Number two, fix the areas where you are low on zinc. You can do variable rate and zinc sulfate doesn't cost much money, even if you're pounds short. And then almost all the time, we want you to at least consider using a little bit of zinc in furrow, or if it needs to be two by two, it certainly can. But like Jerry Willem with AgriLiquid was saying earlier in the show, their research has found conclusively that in furrow has been the best way to increase yields with zinc. So anyway, uh, I, I, I just can't stress this enough. Zinc's a very, very important nutrient, so absolutely look at it, regardless of which crop you're raising on your farm. Well, I want to thank you for listening, and we would encourage you to check out our, our website at agphd.com for more of our information, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.